You're standing in an open field surrounded by a large crowd from your town. There's a pile of wood in the center and the smell of fresh cut pine in the air. It's a crisp day and soon the fire will be lit. No, you're not at a fun campfire. You're about to witness the killing of William Sautry. The fire is lit. Well, we are back and jumping into the stories of the men and women of the Inquisitions. Before we do, let's remember it is called the Inquisitions, plural. There are four different Inquisition time periods. The Medieval Inquisition, where our episode will be for the next few weeks. These last from the year 1184 to 1230. There's the Spanish Inquisition. This is the most famous of them and that led to the death and vanquishing of thousands of Jewish people. This one lasts from November the 1st, 1478, to July 15th, 1834. Then there's the Roman Inquisition, which is famous for the trial of Galileo, and lastly, the Portugal Inquisition, which people usually don't talk about. Just like the Crusades, each of these Inquisitions are very different, and that's why we're going to be looking at them individually. We're going to start with the story of a rich young man named Peter. Peter arrived at the dinner party with his friends. Everyone at the party lived the same lifestyle that he did. They are young men with beautiful wives, and all the things they could ever need had always been provided for them. Peter lacked nothing, and yet there was a feeling that he was missing out on something, but he did not know what that could be. Peter was a rich young man, and that very phrase was one he could not get out of his head. Rich young man. Just a few weeks ago, Peter had heard a preacher who had told the story of a rich young ruler who had wanted to follow Jesus. However, Jesus had asked him to sell all he had and give to the poor. The rich young ruler had gone home in distress because he had much wealth. Peter pushed the nagging thoughts out of his head as he had done over and over in the last few months and headed into the large house of his friend. The other men had already arrived, and the young men spent the evening in discussion, laughter, good food, and great company. Then suddenly, his closest friend began to choke on his food. There are laughs from the others, as one slaps his back to help him out. However, soon the laughs ended, as the man was unable to get the food unlodged from his throat. Soon all the men were trying to help him, including Peter. But sadly, the man choked to death and died right there at the table while they were having a good time just a minute before. When Peter arrives home that night, it's with a heavy heart and mind that would not allow him to shove the burning question to the back of his mind. What if it had been him? What if he had died that day eating a fancy dinner? How would people remember him? Sure, there would be a great and elaborate funeral as there would be much money for such an event. But how would they remember him? What had he done other than live a fantastic, fun life and please himself? Also, if he was to meet his maker that very night, what would he say? He knew that Jesus had been calling him to come and follow him since hearing the message of the rich young ruler. Peter could hear his wife moving around upstairs, and he knew if he had to sell all he had and give to the poor, he would not be the husband he should be. That would leave his wife in destitute. And yet, he felt God was telling him to do just that. Peter Waldo is a young man from the story. His wife did not approve of his idea to sell all and give to the poor. So, Peter gave everything he had to his wife, 
making his wife a very wealthy woman. Peter then began to live his life serving the poor, and he had to ask his wife whenever he needed money. Peter, when he was not serving the poor, was reading the Bible. The act of reading the Bible was actually not encouraged by the church. The church taught that the Bible was much too difficult for a lay person to really understand, and they should instead listen to the priest explain the Bible. However, as Peter read through the Bible, especially the New Testament, he was confused about something the church was teaching. You see, the church was teaching that to get to heaven, you had to take communion, and that during the communion, the priest was able to change the bread into the actual body of Jesus and the wine into the actual blood of Jesus. Since the priest was the only one able to do that, and you had to have communion to get to heaven, this gave the priest a lot of power. However, Peter did not find this teaching anywhere in the Bible, and he began to question that teaching. He began preaching and teaching that the bread and wine are symbols of the body and blood of Jesus, but not the actual body and blood of Jesus. The church was not happy with this teaching. The next thing Peter began to attack was the rich and lavish lifestyle of the priests, and especially the Pope. The church was teaching that if you gave money to the church, you could have your sins forgiven, and if a loved one died and was not in heaven, you could give money to the church and send your loved one to heaven. During this time period, there was diseases that spread through town, killing large percentages of the town. They were in the middle of the Fourth Crusade, and people died from things like bad drinking water or just being so cold. In fact, during this time period, the birth and death rate were the same, so the human population did not grow at all. And you had to remember, there was no birth control at this time, so the birth rate was very high. So everyone had loved ones that had died, and everyone had a fear of death. Thinking about the afterlife was pretty much what people did, because they all knew they could be there at any moment. So the church used this fear of death and the grief of family members and friends who had passed on to take money from the most poor in the kingdom. Priests would say things like, you can't give a little to help your poor mother out of purgatory and into heaven after all she did for you when, when she was here on earth. And grieving parents as they buried their children would hear just a little bit of money and your child will be in heaven forever. These funds were called indulgences. Peter saw that the church was stealing from the poor to make themselves rich, and he began to preach against it. Peter preached, who cares what the church says? What does the Bible say? Peter was told he was not allowed to preach, and Peter said, the church doesn't allow people to preach. The Holy Spirit gives the power to preach. Not only did Peter not stop preaching, but he began to teach other young men to preach as well, and soon a lot of young men were preaching the same message. Peter was telling everyone they needed to read the Bible for themselves. The difficult part was, one, a lot of people couldn't read at all, and two, if the preachers could read the Bible out loud for the people to hear, it was not in their language. It was in Latin. So, Peter had the Bible translated into the language of the people, so those who could read could read it for themselves, and those who could not read could listen as it was read to them. Once again, the church was pretty angry about this. If people could read the Bible for themselves, preach for themselves, take communion themselves, and get into heaven without paying money to the church, well, then the church really had no power. The Pope at the time was Alexander III, and he meets with Peter in Rome, and Peter lays out his concerns and the problems he sees with the church. Alexander listens and doesn't argue with him. In fact, he even appears to agree with Peter. 
Peter leaves his meeting with a feeling of hope. However, as soon as Peter leaves, Pope Alexander III calls a council to discuss the teachings of Peter, and the council condemns the theology of Peter as heresy and declares it illegal for him to continue to preach. Peter and his followers, who people were now calling Waldinians, had to flee. However, his followers would still continue to preach more secretively now, but they were never silent. However, because they were forced to flee and were forever on the run, they preached in more cities and their beliefs actually spread much quicker. Peter went to Hungary, and his teachings in Hungary were what led to a man named Hus. We talked about Hus in our episode called Light in the Dark Ages. You can go back and listen to that. He also went to Germany and is believed that is where he died, around the year 1205. But the movement, the Waldinians, was still growing. There are now many movements growing. The peasants are starting to resist the church. It's almost impossible to get a good crusade going. And people are starting to follow the teachings of men instead of the teachings of the church. The church tries to root out the teachers, but soon they learn that this teaching has spread even into the tiny villages. If they're going to find these heresies, they would have to start really looking for them. Of course, the church would need to show grace and forgiveness. That is, after all, the way of Christ. So a plan was formed. The church would send out groups of men. These men would arrive in a town or a village and call a meeting in the church. Anyone who had committed heresy could come and confess their sins, and these men were given the authority by the Pope himself to forgive the sins. They would have 10 days to come and confess. After that, trials would be set up. And if you knew someone who was teaching heresy, you could report them and they could go to trial. Your identity, of course, would be kept secret. These were called the Inquisitors, and thus started the Inquisitions. This was the start of the First Inquisition time period, also called the Medieval Inquisition. It was during this time the story of Huss and Wycliffe happened. Like I said, you can hear their whole stories in the episode called Light in the Dark Ages. Huss was killed by being burned at the stake and Wycliffe's body was dug up and his bones were burned and tossed in the river. However, the teachings of Waldo, Huss, and Wycliffe were already spreading. The fire was lit. The Waldinians, the Hussanites, and the Lollards, they were the ones followed Wycliffe, were preaching in every country that the Pope controlled. It became clear killing Huss and burning Wycliffe's body was not enough. People needed to know that they could die as well. In 1399, William was arrested and faced the Inquisition. He was terrified. After being found guilty, he was thrown in prison. Sitting on the hard ground in the dark, hungry and cold, William thought he was making a big mistake. Was an idea really worth all this? I mean, he knew he was right. What he was teaching was what the Bible taught. But was it really worth all of this? Did it really matter if the church taught lies? William was brought again before the council. This time, William recanted everything he said. He confessed that only a priest could preach, and the communion bread really was the body of Christ, and people could buy indulgences. William was set free. Now a free man, he didn't feel free. He'd been a lollard, and his life had been preaching the truth of the Bible. Now he found himself in London, working and wondering what the point of life even was. At night, William would go to bed. He found it difficult to pray or sleep. He had denied the truth that he knew Jesus had called him to preach. Then, on February the 12th, 1401, William found himself in front of the council again. William stood in the St. Paul's Church and answered questions from Archbishop Thomas Ardenell. 
This time, William did not cave into his fears. He stood tall and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are sinners and that it is only the blood of Jesus that has the power to forgive our sins. It is not communion that saves us or giving money to the church. Communion is a representation of the body of Christ, and the priest had no power to change it in any way. One of the men in the council told him to bow before the cross, and he said, and this is an actual quote, Instead of adorning the cross on which Christ suffered, I adore Christ who suffered on it. But that wasn't all he said. He looked at the priests and told them they should spend time preaching to the lost instead of repeating prayers they had memorized. They should stop telling men they could save their souls by going to war. And they should spend their money helping the poor instead of funding wars. William was questioned for three hours, and he refused to back down. On February the 26th, he was found guilty. He was handed to the king for punishment. It's important to realize that throughout the Inquisition, the church did not technically kill a single person. They handed each person to the king, and it was the king who called for his death. And the king did call for the death of William. Now William appealed to the king to let him live, but he was sentenced to die by burning at the stake. And that is where we started our podcast today. The wood was piled high. The people from the town of Smithfield had gathered to watch. William was taken, tied to the stake, and the stake of wood was lit on fire. The sound of the wood crackling and burning was soon drowned out by the sound of William's screams of pain. He died in February of 1401, and he was the first Lollard killed. But the gospel would not be stopped. Now I'm going to pause here, and let's just think about something for a minute. When we hear stories of the church doing things like selling indulgences, we usually think, how could the church be so unethical? And how could the people be so dumb? I mean, we would never do anything like that now. But let's think about that. Could we be so easily manipulated? Imagine if someone was to say, I don't know, the world's going to end in 12 years and it's all your fault. You have a giant carbon footprint. You must stop driving cars or eating meat on Monday or buying new clothes or drinking out of straws. But, but, if you donate money, then none of those things will hurt the planet anymore and you'll be just fine. But if you don't donate money or stop doing those things, we're all going to die in 12 years and it'll be all your fault. Imagine if we took money from people who already could hardly afford life. Imagine if we let the rich keep living the life they wanted because they could afford to pay this money. Imagine if people actually did pay this money, because that's the reality of life right now. My 15-year-old daughter took an online test and was told she needed to donate almost $500 in order to have her pay for her carbon footprint. If we, as a society, can be this unethical and stupid, we really can't judge the people who were living in the year 1401. All right, next week we're going to tell the story of a battle and a council that changed history. To hear more podcasts, watch some great videos, or read blogs, head over to lauraleesiemens.com. We have many more podcasts, Bible studies, and educational tools. To help keep all these resources free to the public, you can support the podcast by subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, or donating to our donation page. See you next week.